Welcome to On The Couch Podcast, where you'll be on the couch with Mercedes. I am a marriage and family therapist associate. I'm Takesha. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapy associate. And I am Brittany. I am a licensed professional counselor intern. The purpose of this podcast is to talk about all things life, ranging from mental health to self-accountability. This podcast is not meant to be a substitute for a relationship with a mental health professional, but it is meant to serve as a platform where you can get dope content, no copay, be inspired to work on yourself and expand your perspective on diverse and uncomfortable issues. Now, let's get on the couch. Hey, everybody. Welcome to session six of the On The Couch podcast. Today's session is titled American As Fuck. So during this episode, we would like to discuss the beauty of diversity um, in America, respecting each other's differences, race, religion, sexuality, um, body image, and just sharing our experiences of being a minority in America um, and, and discussing white privilege and racism a little bit. Um, so yesterday I had the opportunity along with Takesha to attend a ethics symposium by Dr. Carlton Green, where he talked about racial trauma in the therapy room. Racial trauma and race related stress has been defined as the cumulative effects of racism on an individual's mental and physical health. Mm-hmm. Racial trauma has been left out of the DSM-5. That's where, that's the manual where people come up with the disorders for mental illness. However, Hashtag racial trauma is real. Okay. So in my experience with being an African-American woman in America, I would definitely say I I probably didn't know what to name the feelings that I was feeling in terms of what I was witnessing because we now can see things on our cell phones. We can see people who look like us be killed by police. Right. We can also see people who look like us be killed by people who look like us. Right. It's It's traumatic. It's very traumatic. And so... Where is the space for people to talk about this racial trauma mm-hmm. of being a minority in America? Right. Um, Takesha, what do you think? Well, I definitely think that the therapy room is a really safe place um, to talk about trauma and really let the therapist know why you're there and what's going on. Mm-hmm. And hopefully they educate themselves on how to recognize these signs and symptoms of racial trauma because they are very similar to other symptoms associated with the PTSD, PTSD diagnosis. Um, so although it's not in the DSM right now, they're working to get it there because like I said, the symptoms are the same. Mm-hmm. And, and the experience is real. Yes, and so that's another part real. that Dr. Green was talking about and he was saying a big part of it is recognizing within ourselves what this trauma looks like because mm-hmm. so many times we try to disassociate with what happened we mm-hmm. like to ignore the symptoms the same way we do with like medical stuff you know what's going on mm-hmm. you recognize it but then this racial thing happened and you notice yourself losing sleep at night mm-hmm. you might notice some crying spells you might notice mm-hmm. some hyper vigilance like you're really looking out for things whenever you're in public yeah and we begin to think that those things are the norm for us when they're not, this this is racial anxiety yeah. that we're having now due to all these experiences. Yeah. So recognizing it within yourself to even know that you need to talk to somebody about it. Right. Because I know, like, based off of, like, when you mentioned videos on social media, like, I literally used to tense up when I would see a police officer. Yes. You know? Because it's just it was just uncomfortable for me. And I have not had a bad experience with a police officer, but I know it's real for a lot of people. You know, and even with the Sandra Bland situation, like I, I literally felt like that could be me, right? At any point in my life, 
Sandra Bland was an eye-opener for me, but the first introduction to me realizing that America really hasn't progressed as much as we think is yeah. when Trayvon Martin was murdered in 2012. Right. I did not know Trayvon, but that particular one was eye-opener for me. I felt that on a very intense level, and mm-hmm. I was hurt by it, and I did not know what to do with the hurt. Mm-hmm. So it led me to having these negative negative feelings towards America, right. the country. Mm-hmm. I was very negative towards being a resident of this country. Right. I did not want to be in America. Right. And it's it's also disappointing because it's like the justice system always gets these opportunities to prove mm-hmm. that there's been some form of progress and then we have Trayvon Martin or, or just any other case. Right. It's like you all are missing the opportunity mm-hmm. to say, you know, we care about y'all. Exactly. We care about That's y'all. True. But it it continues to happen and it, it's so disappointing. It's disappointing. It hurts. Um, I will be the first to say that I have probably become numb to mm. all of it and I don't want I don't want to be numb and say oh another police shooting oh another person being yeah. killed um but I felt dehumanized by this country and I felt like my life did not matter yeah. and I used to say you know I need to move out of America but then I got to the point where I'm like I'm not going no fucking where because this country was built on the back of my ancestors and I have a right to be here right. so that's where I'm at now I have a right to be here right. This is happening in America, but I believe that America could actually be great and yeah. we could all be here despite our differences because we're mm-hmm. really more alike than different. Mm-hmm. And I think racism is like across the board, like in every country, obviously it might be this a little true. bit different yeah. as far as like right about how that. it's being shown or portrayed. But, You're right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think social media really has to figure out a way to not traumatize people on a consistent basis or people really have to figure out like how to separate themselves because the instantly yes. you'll see a video. But honestly, that I'm not saying that is traumatizing. Mm-hmm. But all it's showing is this is not new. Technology is new, right. and now we can see it. Right? Because mm-hmm. I'm not saying that these issues are new. I'm saying that we all have access to these issues because of technology. Right. Right. Which is presenting itself with a new type of trauma. Trauma. Because this community trauma. It, it's always been there, but unless it was happening down the street from you or in your town, you didn't really know about it. It wasn't broadcasted. We didn't know mm-hmm. across the U.S. what was going on in California or in Florida. We just knew in our small towns. Mm-hmm. But now we see something different every single day every across day. the world. And right. it's like nowhere you go is safe, no matter what community, no matter what state. Mm-hmm. And that is a whole new trauma that is really reoccurring day in and day out. Exactly. And we have to find a balance. So this year I can say I have not watched a video of someone being shot on social media. But Mm -hmm. from 2012 up until 2018 I was watching those videos. I was exposing myself to it. I would get angered. I would get fueled. And I would be upset and I would argue with people in the comment section. Which Mm -hmm. is not good for your mental health. Right. Because you're having these race wars in the comment section. Mm -hmm. So what was that doing? What did you notice that that was doing to you whenever you were having those conversations because sometimes we feel like this is what we need we need somebody to hear us we need for you to understand us and a lot of times they don't they don't so how was that affecting you whenever you felt like you kept trying to I felt like they just didn't get it Mm -hmm. and I felt like they had Everybody just had this coming, but if you do this, you would be alive. Mm-hmm. As if they oh, don't do the same thing. It's like black people have to be perfect. Yep. That's what I got from it. I have to be damn near perfect for you not or, to kill me. Or even black people, when we talk about our own black on black crime. Exactly. Like, everybody had... I, I felt like there was always an excuse mm-hmm. to to say that someone's death was okay. 
Mm-hmm. And that's that wasn't that wasn't okay for me. Mm-hmm. Like each time somebody died, somebody had a reason why it was justified. Why it was justified? Why this man or this woman's life was taken was okay. Mm-hmm. And none of them sufficed. None of them. Right. None of them were a death sentence. Yeah. But yet these people had reasons. So for me, I felt like whenever I was trying to engage in those conversations and people weren't understanding. I just wanted to cry. I really yeah. I wanted to cry. And a lot of a lot of people feel that way because it's like you're telling people like what the issue is, but nobody's hearing it. No. And I feel like there's not going to be any type of progress if we don't really take the time to really hear each other. And that starts with having an uncomfortable, open conversation about racism, correct? Which white people struggle to have because they think that we are trying to shame them. Right. And I get it because. For them, they it is an attack. Like we are saying, this is the issue, right. and they do feel a direct attack. But I think if they take the time to kind of take themselves out of the situation and kind of see what other people are talking about, uh-huh. it will be a more productive conversation. The conversation is going to have to happen because America needs therapy. I'm just going to say it. In order for yes. us to heal. We're going to have to have a conversation about Absolutely. white privilege. We're going to have to have a conversation about religion, sexuality. We need to have a conversation about societal norms and what it looks like when people deviate from this thing that you have, you know, mm-hmm. coined as no- normal. Right. And so when they see, when somebody sees something is different from them, they get offended. Right. How dare you not think like me? How dare you not look like me? As if it's a personal attack. As if somebody is telling them that that's how they should be living or, or that's right. how they should be doing. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's not what it is. So we really got to change our thinking and how we are viewing other people and what's going on. Because somebody else's lifestyle, they're they not telling you right. to take that as yours. Right. Somebody told me long ago in one of my history classes that your rights end when another person's begins. Mm. What I take from that is my rights are mine to what I do for myself and my body. My rights end whenever another person decides what they feel are their rights for themselves, mm-hmm. right? So basically my rights don't extend outside of me. I can't tell you what's right for you. Mm. Exactly. I can only tell you what's right for me. How yeah. beautiful this country would be if we thought like that. Yeah. How beautiful this country would be if they just let this country be. We have we the much. diversity here. We do. We like do. you said, if we just let it let it be. Let, let it the be. diversity right. be. Yeah. It's right. a beautiful thing. Right. We I can't shift imagine. And mold it. Right. But, yeah. What is America without black people? What is America without Mexican people or Middle Eastern people or yeah. Asian people? Like mm-hmm. what is this country with just white people? And sometimes it's what it feel like they want it to be. Right. That's what I take from Make America Great Again. Right. Because you know, white is the default. If you think white is the default, then everything else is null and void. But then the thing is, everything else damn near that we have would be null and void. Correct. So, there, like you said, there really wouldn't be in America. It would be completely shifted into something else. Because how much how much would we be taking away if we took away all these other groups? Yeah, exactly. Like, really, what would be left? Exactly. And I think we, we, we learn from each other and we take from each other's cultures. And we have restaurants and we have businesses and we have, you know, different things that each... Each group of people are contributing to society. Mm-hmm. And so that's the beauty of diversity is mm-hmm. respecting those things that each person is bringing to this country. Right. And I'm not speaking in general for all white people, but if they can just get over the fact of telling us that nobody today alive has ever been a slave. Mm. By saying that statement, I see that a lot. Why can't you just get over it? 
Nobody Ooh. today has ever been a slave. This is true. However, generational trauma is real. Right. Racial trauma is real. Yeah. And so now the oppression is just coming in different ways. No, we're not physically being whipped with chains and belts. But the oppression is coming in the form of education. Yes, it's institutionalized. Yes, it's coming in so many different being ways. Being able to vote, yeah. all of these things. And I think a part of it is, because you just made a point and I told you before, of I have this thing in my mind of stupid ass statements that people say mm-hmm. that I really don't have a comment for other than that was stupid as fuck. Why would you open your mouth to say that? Right. Mm-hmm. And that's one of them. Like, why don't you just get over it? What's right. another one you said? Why don't you just, why don't y'all just go out there and take your power back? How? And I just, to, to me, it lets me know that people have a complete lack of insight into, into the role that this historical trauma has played mm-hmm. and this community trauma has played over time. You don't even... Because re- it's not happening to you. Mm-hmm. So you don't even know how much this is embedded. Mm-hmm. Just as into how what racism we're doing. Is, is, is a generational thought. It is. It's generational teaching, I'm sorry. It is. Um, but I think we kind of talked about this before we started recording, how like even black people have to be open to having allies mm-hmm. come in and because the only way it's really going to change is if we do have people who do mm-hmm. hold that privilege mm-hmm. and say hey look listen this is a problem for this group of people exactly. what can we do differently thank you and I, a lot of people are afraid to lose their their endorsements or these different things we've seen it happen with Colin Kaepernick we've seen it happen with so many people shout but, out to Colin Kaepernick by absolutely. the way absolutely so I think the more people, let's say Kim Kardashian, for example, a lot of people are angry because of what she's doing with this prison reform. I right. think what she's doing is great. It is. I don't really mm-hmm. care about the family like that, but I think what she's doing, if that's her calling, do it. And because if she's going to use that. her privilege to do so, then right. we have to give her the space to do so. Exactly. So one of the problems I noticed, and I used to struggle with this too, is black people, when somebody who is not black comes in and start making change, Mm-hmm. We get offended like they're doing it for arterial motives. We don't know that. Right. Yeah. And if they are, I don't care. They're doing it. <laughs> right. But we're going to scare these people away from even wanting to help because we get so offended. Yeah. And so if Kim mm-hmm. is doing this thing, mm-hmm. let Kim get people out of prison. Right. Because that's her thing. Right. And this is really one of the reasons why they were saying why some white people do shy away from the conversations mm-hmm. for the fact of if they might ask the wrong questions or if they might want to advocate the wrong way, somebody might think that they have different mm-hmm. motives and they don't want to get labeled as a racist. And then we mm-hmm. shame them. And mm-hmm. so then they are shamed or people talk about ways that they have grown or maybe they mm-hmm. may or ways that they the have past. been racist and they right. want to undo it. Yeah. They want to change it. Right. We have to have an open conversation. Like Dr. Green said yesterday, if a white person comes to us and say, Hey, I've been racist. I've lived this way my whole life. I want to change it. We must not shame those people. We must have an open conversation because at some point, that's how change happens. Right. Conversations why, are change yeah. agents. Why do y'all think people are hesitant to that? Hesitant to what? To a, a person like that example that you just gave there. I think we instantly feel offended. We instantly yeah. feel yeah. angered. And that makes sense. Uh-huh. Right? It makes perfect sense. Like, like, why don't you know? We always expect people to know better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why don't you know to have compassion for someone who don't look like you? Right. I get it. Yeah. It hurts. It's painful to see people that you once grew up with. So, for example, when in 2008, when Barack Obama ran for president, mm-hmm. most of my friends who are who were white 
showed their asses. Who like didn't lose friends. Lost friends behind this election. Like people really showed their true colors. People that I grew up with since mm-hmm. I was like three years old, known them. Mm-hmm. We are not friends anymore yeah. because in their minds that I only voted for Barack Obama because he was black. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and the only reason why you didn't vote for him is because he was black. Right. So where's so the The reasons are the same. Yes. <laughs> and so right. <laughs> they not even seeing, yes, Democrat, Republican, cool, but they took it further. They took it further by using race as mm-hmm. a factor. It didn't even, it wasn't about Democrat or Republican in 2008. It was about black versus white. And that is very unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I think that some white people are going to have to see that America exists not only because of white Americans, but because of all Americans in this mm-hmm. country, whether born here or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think I wish I had more of an opportunity to have these type of conversations with not just people who look like me. Exactly. And there was an opportunity that I had with a coworker like a couple months ago. Okay. But it went. It did not go the way I wanted it to. She's Venezuelan. And she was basically saying like they don't have that over there, like they're pretty. They're pretty. Obviously, there there's classism, but it's not necessarily racism. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so we were kind of not really hearing each other, mm-hmm. and she got really offended. And I was like, man, this was really a good opportunity for us to have a productive conversation. But, but she was also you got emotional for the Trump wall yes. or the wall and yes. somewhat of a Trump supporter. Yes. Which that confuses me. Yes. Because what <laughs> I learned with my with Hispanic people that I work with is that. If they're not Mexican, mm-hmm. they kind of don't give a fuck about that wall. Not all of them, but that's what I've learned from talking to different mm-hmm. groups of people. And so that goes to another part of America mm-hmm. with how we try to shame people who look like us or who may be not white just so that we can feel important. Mm-hmm. We have yeah, to like shy it, like away it from that. You, like it puts me ladder. up because right. I can put them down. Right. 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 We have to shy away from that. We do. We definitely do. And I think to even go back to how with black people I think attending an HBCU really kind of gave me that glimpse of just different types of black people oh it definitely mm-hmm. did and and being in that environment I've been I've grown up in a predominantly black area and I've seen mm-hmm. the different types of living situations mm-hmm. for different people but just being at an HBCU like that really really and truly opened my eyes for how diverse we are within our group I'm glad you said that yeah because I grew up and I would say a low SES black community mm-hmm where everybody kind of worked these nine to five jobs and they were distressed and barely making it. So going to an HBCU and meeting a diverse group of black people mm-hmm. gave me the opportunity to see a black girl have two parents in the house. Mm-hmm. Both of them are psychologists. Mm-hmm. I have never seen that right. coming from where I come from. So to be able to see black people deviate from this norm that I thought that we all had to struggle, mm-hmm. that's not true. Right. And so... In order for us as black people to also be diverse amongst ourselves, we have to realize that we can't just think that blackness is associated with the struggle. Yes. There are some elite black families. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Not yes. all, not everybody come from the struggle. Not everybody come from eating, you know, or, the ramen noodles right. and the, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the the meals that we had with no vegetables and no carbs. No, I'm serious. With, with high carbs and <laughs> probably no vegetables. Right. I love those meals, by the way. I love those meals. <laughs> Love those meals, but and so when I began to have a diverse 
I would say palate and eat more vegetables. <laughs> you know, you get told you eat white. <laughs> That's, That's not right. true. Black people eat healthy. Right, right. Not all black people, but I'm saying just not all white people eat healthy. But I'm just saying you black people have to look outside of this box that Absolutely. we think America has boxed us in because we are diverse, as you said, within our group itself. Mm-hmm. We're yeah. very diverse. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And HBCUs are a big part of American history mm-hmm. and not a lot of black kids even know what an HBCU is. Historically black colleges and universities, they are very, very much so important. And they are responsible for most black doctors Absolutely. and black lawyers and black therapists, for example. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a good place to start as a black person, I think. And mm-hmm. that's and I couldn't see myself going to any other school for undergrad because I'm contributing to keeping this piece of our history alive by right. giving bringing it revenue by attending there. Yeah, and I think... People who don't go to an HBCU, that's fine. That's your choice. But don't shit on HBCUs just because you went to a PWI. Oh, yeah. Like, that frustrates me Frustrates me to no end. Like, your school is not better. You may have more money. Mm-hmm. But that does not guarantee your success. This like, if we are in the same field, you might struggle just as much as me. This is true. Going, I mean, mm-hmm. I just, I've seen that going on it for is. a long time. It's on the forefront sometimes. And I... I don't tolerate it. I don't like it at yeah. all. Yeah. And some people shame HBCUs. Um, it's associated with, I guess you can say, is you couldn't go to any other school. There's sometimes what HBCUs are associated with with some people. Yeah. Or it's some, easier. Or yeah, or it's easier, but that's not necessarily true. And um, I try to not shame my black brothers and sisters who do go to PWIs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm definitely happy that I went to an HBCU, Same. an experience that I can't get at a PWI. Because I have went to a PWI in undergrad. Mm-hmm. I went to an HBCU first, transferred, went to a PWI. Mm-hmm. I had to get back to the HBCU. It just wasn't, it just wasn't for me. Yeah. Um, it's just a better connection. I will say that. Um, but I want to hit a little bit. We talked about white silence a little bit in regards to racism. Okay. So if we think about, I want to talk a little bit about sexual orientation mm-hmm. and how America is somewhere. So first of all, I want to say we wouldn't have to be pro-woman, pro-black, pro-gay, pro-Islam if America was not anti these things. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so we always talking as black people about white silence. So let's have a conversation about heterosexual silence in regards to Ooh, gay wait. rights. <laughs> Seriously, because I see a lot of black people who like to be homophobic and shame Ooh, gay wait. people. Mm. And that really bothers me. Okay. It bothers me a lot because my thing is, how could one, how how could a people as an oppressed group, with everything from historical to seeing what's going on now, and having this, you see it for yourself, your families, your friend, like the oppression is real, right? Mm-hmm. And you want these rights, and we fight for these rights, and we know that we deserve them, and we know that we need them. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as you get to open your mouth Mm -hmm. and shut off the rights of another group, you take it. Mm -hmm. And that pisses me off. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, you, you wanted so much. Yes. Cause you wanted so much for your group. So who the fuck are we to, to take somebody else's rights away as soon as we get the fucking chance? How are we really Mm -hmm. any better? And I'm not saying love it. I'm not saying that you know, you support it or it's in line with your religious beliefs. But how dare we, you know, try to take away the rights of a group just because they're different from us. Exactly. Just because it deviates from societal norms. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. People are out here literally saying 
I was born gay. And we're saying, no, you weren't. People are out here being honest with you about how uncomfortable they feel with the gender that they have been assigned at birth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I cannot tell someone that they are comfortable with their gender or their sex just because society says, this is how you should be. This is who you should love. This is who you should date. This is who you should have sex with. Mm-hmm. I am not the person to say that. And so as I have been a therapist, I have been exposed and educated about these different types of things. Mm-hmm. And what I will say is people really do be uncomfortable mm-hmm. with themselves. Mm-hmm. And they decide what they need to do is have a sex change. Mm-hmm. And it pisses other people off. Mm-hmm. Which is odd because it has nothing to do with you. Has nothing and, to do and, with and you. heterosexual people are privileged too. In a way. Yeah. In a way. In a way. Because this people true. do look at um, the life of the trans black woman is so, or trans people in gender is so much shorter than everyone else in our population. Mm. Well, it is ridiculous. They receive so much hate and so much hate crimes are geared toward them oh God, that if they yes. don't end up getting killed or attacked yes. from somebody else, they end up committing suicide. Yes. But you know these people are so comfortable with being who they are as trans people and they know that they'll live shorter lives and they know that most of the world doesn't accept them. And they still decide to go through it. How brave, though. Yeah, because yeah, they How brave. they've accepted themselves. Right. And they know I might live a shorter life, but at least let me be comfortable right. in the meantime. And you know what? It's so like when people try to shame them, it's like, you really think that I'm black mm-hmm. and I chose to be gay. You think I really want that double jeopardy like that? Right. You really think? Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Right. So if I decide to take this route, it's because I have chose to try to live this life that I feel like I deserve to right. live. So please respect me and my right to love who I want to love and be who I want to be. Right. Because why does it hurt you? How does it hurt you? And that was my question, Britt. How well, does what, it what does it do, what does it do for you? What does it do for you? The, and so they use so they bring up the Bible and they bring up religion. Oh, of course. Pick, people pick a Jew when they want. Oh yes, they do. They Bible thump homosexuality. <laughs> yeah. But Nobody's saying anything to the to heterosexual people for the bed jumping that we do. The promiscuous sexual activity. That is not shame. Mm-hmm. And I just think that we just no, have to shy shame. away from shaming people for trying to walk in their truth. Yeah. Yep. I agree. I feel like when I, that makes me question how you're choosing to use your religion. Because you could use it in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. And instead of using it for love embracing and upliftment and uh, and you know embracing mm-hmm. everyone, you use it for hate and you constantly use it for the same reason mm-hmm. over and over again. Mm-hmm. And sometimes some people I see you sharing more hate about the Bible and how you should hate people than I see you sharing the love about it. Yeah. And that is a problem. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely. Is. And honestly, it's the same thing that white people use to enforce slavery. Mm. Yes. That is correct. Cycle of abuse. Right. Mm-hmm. We we got to be aware of that. We just got to be aware of that. And what this does to somebody's mental health. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because it really is when we say things like that and we tell people who they should and shouldn't be. Or we tell them that who they are is wrong. What does that do to somebody's mentality? If you feel like you're going out into the world and, and I'm telling you that your, your ultimate God 
hates hate you, you mm. and that you're not accepted. But I feel like this is who I am as a person. Yeah. What does that do to you on a day-to-day basis? Will you even be able to think about anything else? Are you right. going to be able to focus in school mm-hmm. or focus at work mm-hmm. when you have all of these other people around you and you just know these people probably hate me too? Yeah. Dang, that's tough. I remember there was a story, I think it happened sometime last year, at some elementary school, middle school, wherever, and this kid was trans mm-hmm. or was about to transition mm-hmm. and so they were doing a, a tornado um some type of fire drill something like that and they really could not figure out where this kid was supposed to go whether that kid was supposed to go in the, the girl's bathroom or the boy's bathroom mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know they left that child in the hallway i think i remember that story they left the child for a drill you really just left this kid so that goes to us having to change the curriculums to teach people how to be sensitive to be that. sensitive to that and to That's teach baby and so and that brings up another concern because people are concerned about children making those type of decisions to be trans mm-hmm. and i get the concern so i will go on record and say that i do believe that a child should have to wait till they're at least 18 to 21 before they can have the sex change mm-hmm. but i'm not going to shame them if, if a parent does decide to let their child have their choice mm-hmm. but i think yeah we should wait because our limbic our limbic system is not always formed we don't know who it will become so right, right. we go through different changes as we transition through puberty and stuff like that but that situation just shows that educators need to be trained Absolutely. therapists need to be trained and these people need a safe space to go talk and they process do how this is affecting our mental health. And we need to be careful with how we're raising our children and the messages that we're giving them and what we're doing with our religion and how we choose to use it. Because it can be very detrimental to somebody's mental health. That is Mm -hmm. true. And their social skills. Social skills. People really... So, for example, working in mental health, we all see religion as something people come in with and they're somewhat traumatized by it because people are getting damned to hell. So many times, so many children... I've seen it a lot in adults, but so many children have come in and are really traumatized by religion, which is supposed to be this beautiful and enlightening and accepting and loving mm-hmm. and a sense of security mm-hmm. that we feel on a day-to-day basis. And people are turning it into something really ugly. They use it to, to, to they use it to, um, to provoke fear in people. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I've even had a young person that I've worked with a trauma happened to them. Um, a trauma happened to them, and this person was not heterosexual. And this person felt like God must have hated them because mm-hmm. they did not identify as heterosexual. So they felt like they must have deserved for this horrible, horrible thing to happen to them because God didn't like them because they were not heterosexual. Well, that is what the world is telling those people. Wow. And I I was heartbroken yeah. that somebody could have this horrible thing happen to them and they feel like, well, the ultimate being must have said that this was okay, that this bad thing happened to me because right. they're mm-hmm. punishing me. Yeah. So, and speaking of religion, I'm going to divert here and talk about um, Islam and Muslims because what a time it is for them to be in this climate and probably walk in fear yeah. right mm-hmm. now in America. Yeah. Because their religious artifacts are something that's a part of their their culture. Mm -hmm. And so, if they go out in public with these artifacts on, they might be attacked. Mm -hmm. Yep. I can't imagine them people having to feel like they shouldn't be able to be who they are. They should take these artifacts off Mm -hmm. and they should try to conform to the majority 
mm-hmm. so that they won't get attacked. Mm-hmm. And whether that be words or viol- or physical violence, you know, it's just not okay. Yeah. It's not okay at all. And a part of me being a black person, I cannot just speak up about issues pertaining to black people. Mm-hmm. I have to speak up about the immigrants. And I have to speak up about the Islamophobia. And I have to speak up about homophobia. And I have to speak up about anything that is causing harm to another group of people so just because of they are right. this because of what they identify as right. and, and and I get in comment sections where black people are telling me that you that you shouldn't be speaking up about right. this it ain't got nothing to do with you that it has everything to do with yeah. me exactly because we're human and I right yeah I feel like advocacy can become so draining yeah because nobody is listening yeah mm-hmm. nobody is listening like, but it's still it's important hard. it's still important for us to speak up yeah yeah absolutely I know at one point somebody said something to me because I was talking about health care of course I think everybody should have affordable health care sure. somebody said to me well Dizzy why are you even mad you went to college you got a degree. You have health insurance. Motherfucker, this ain't about me. Right. I care about people who can't afford this. That is still a problem. Yes. Right. Yes, I can call and set a doctor appointment today. Yes, I can set a dentist appointment. Other people can't. I think that that's a problem. Right. It is a problem. And you should care. And we all should care. Mm-hmm. And we all should care about the fact that people are being separated from their families due yes. to these immigration laws and stuff that's being pushed into yeah. society. Children are unaccounted for right mm-hmm. now because they are undocumented. Mm-hmm. That is a problem, and I am yeah. very pissed about it. Yeah. How about we stop waiting for shit to happen to us for us to get mad about right. it? That's want to do something about it. That's true. Speaking of something like that, with the whole shutdown with the government, mm-hmm. and you know how they think food stamps and and assist uh, government assistance is only for people of color. Mm-hmm. Now we already know it. White people also use it. Yes, they and do. So when that government shutdown happened, everybody was affected. Everybody. And I think that was supposed to happen because mm-hmm. some of those people voted for Trump. They did. Oh, yeah. For whatever reason, reason they did. But they, they did. were affected by the same person. Mm-hmm. They was heartbroken. I can't believe I he can't, did this to Yes. Oh. He Because your government job is... Yes, affected. Oh, now you can... Oh. Yeah. Now you think he don't have your back. Now you mm-hmm. Because it happened with to them. them. Yeah. Yeah. So let us try to be more compassionate for other people. Compassionate for other people, compassionate for other religions. A big part of Christianity to me is embracing those who are not like me. Mm-hmm. A big yeah. part of Christianity to me is forgiveness. Which is why I am to the point where I can sit down with a person who says, I hated you because you were black. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Right. I'm open to doing that. Now, I haven't always been this way. Right. I haven't always been this way, but I'm open to having that conversation because I think that's truly what makes America great. Absolutely. Having those type of conversations and existing with these people and healing. Right. We have to heal as a country or we're never going to be great. Right. And you said the, the, the right thing there. Like, I think the beauty about being a human being is that we have the opportunity to grow. Grow. Like, the process of yes. learning is not, it's, it's, what's the term? It's finite. Is that right? It's not infinite because infinite means learning doesn't end. Right. There we go. Learning does not end, period. So I think (laughs) when people don't grow, I think it's almost kind of, it's unfortunate and and it can be a little lazy. It is lazy. Mentally, mental, being mentally lazy is a thing. Mm -hmm. And we have to have a growth mindset. Mm -hmm. And that's going to start with white privilege. Mm hmm. And try being gentle with yourselves, being compassionate with yourself mm-hmm. as you try to grow. Like you said, Mercedes, at one point you weren't open to this conversation. Now you are. Now you might 
make another person feel comfortable with coming to you and talking to you about things that maybe they're ashamed of and they want to grow from, which maybe wouldn't have happened before. You are part of that change now. I am. I'm trying to be a part of that change, and I'm also trying to show people that I am loud. I'm very loud when it comes to being pro-black. I'm very loud when it comes to black lives. I'm very loud when it comes to women. I'm very loud when it comes to the immigration situation. I'm very loud when it comes to Islamophobia, homophobia. Mm -hmm. But that does not make me racist. So I I've been called racist because of those things. Well, that's not even the correct term to even describe. No, but I'm just saying people come. (laughs) People think that that is racism because you're speaking about it. Because it's uncomfortable for them. And and I get it. it's uncomfortable for me to be feeling this way. I right. feel helpless in this in this climate that we're in. Exactly. I feel very helpless and I have had to take a chance to shy away from social media and being connected because I don't like feeling helpless. Right. So so what could be so people who deal with this type of trauma on a consistent basis, like what do y'all think is the best way for them to either handle the situation or pull back from I mean this is all of us we are dealing with this trauma and so I think for me going to this symposium to become more educated about it was one of the best things for me um so when it does come into therapy I can have my emotions in order and not have counter transference with my clients because people are coming into the therapy room being scared of this climate that we're in and as a therapist I need to deal with my own emotions towards this comment that we're in so that I can help these people. Mm-hmm. And this is like what Takesha said in the car, this is true fear. Yeah. This is not irrational. Yeah. So usually in therapy you're challenging irrational thoughts. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. This is pretty rational thoughts. Exactly. You know, this could possibly happen. Yeah. And I don't really know exactly what to do except try to have some faith in this in in, in this country. Mm-hmm. But I will probably treat it like PTSD. And try to find some soothing techniques. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's unfortunate because every time you think you, you're getting an opportunity opportunity to heal from something, yet again, we continue to be disappointed. Mm-hmm. Like, at what point is the government or America period going to step back and say, okay, we really got to do better? Because there's people out here struggling. There's people out here dying. This is true. I think it can start... So, the government is something that I feel like we don't have control over. So, what I do have control over is how I treat people in passing. Okay. Mm-hmm. People who are different than me. Right. So, I think in order for this country to run, run as one, despite our differences... We have to have compassion for each other, mm-hmm. and we have to start embracing each other and think about unity. Mm-hmm. And that goes to say black people. We cannot only be worried about issues pertaining to only black people. Correct. We cannot say a black feminist shouldn't be a black feminist because feminism is for white women. Right. Mm-hmm. We have to stop doing that, and we have to embrace the idea of unity Correct. with white people, mm-hmm. with Mexicans, with Middle Easterns, with Asians. Mm-hmm. We have to. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that's the only way it's going to get better. That's the only way. Yeah. Unity is the only way. Correct. It's the only way. So, guys, we can wrap this episode up um, and hope you guys took something from this episode and become educated by racial trauma and race-related stress because it is real. So be aware of your emotions as you're watching those videos and take the time to practice self-care and find a balance with watching those videos and um, watching the news because it can all get a little heavy. Mm-hmm. It can all get a little heavy. And if you need to, go talk to somebody. Yep. Yeah. Go talk to somebody. All right, guys. Thanks for listening.